Good evening, everyone. This is Molly Rowan Leach of Molly Rowan Presents. And it is such an honor tonight to have this very special additional call for the restorative justice and social healing in the United States and beyond telecouncil series that we've been doing since last fall. Tonight's call, as you know, um, is a very deep and special recognition of Martin Luther King Jr. on this Martin Luther King Day 2012. And of course, a very special guest who I'll be introducing in just one moment. And um, so again, a warm welcome to you all tonight. And the way that things are going to roll in conversation this evening, we have an hour together. And if you've never been in a maestro room before, uh, feel free to press 1 on your keypad even if we're not in the middle of Q&A sessions, which we will pause to have periodically through t throughout tonight's call. Um, we want to be inclusive and, and uh, really get the juices flowing with the conversation organically. So again, pressing 1 on your telephone keypad um, alerts me to um, unmute your mic. Given the size of the group that we have, we like to keep the, the mics muted. So anyway, um, without further ado, I would like to deeply bow to my friend and colleague, Velcro Crow Ripper, who is with us tonight. And um, tonight's core theme here is Occupy the Dream, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Power of Love. And tonight's telecouncil, um, again, of course, is in honor of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and the Occupy Movement. And Velcro is an internationally renowned filmmaker. Recently you may have noticed that he one of his um, <clears throat> excuse me, Occupy Love shorts featuring Charles Eisenstein was on the top ten list at moveon.org and became viral. He is an internationally renowned filmmaker, as I mentioned, of Fierce Light, When Spirit Meets Action and the very powerful film, Scared Sacred. And Crow has, has devoted his life to the journey of finding the edge between the most darkest places in, in our world and where the light grows the most strongly, even in those places. And, and with his camera, he's journeyed around the globe uh, documenting the experiences, uh, grassroots, of course, as well as um, uh, you know, the, the environmental conferences. And um, he, he's just one of the most amazing and surrendered people I know um, on the planet who has devoted his life to truth and to love. And of course, most recently, again, was on the ground a lot in New York City at the Occupy Movement and who um, traveled around to the other cities, Occupy movements, documenting and, and really giving his life to uh, illuminating the truth, uh, especially for those of us um, who may have not been able to be on the ground. I, I know that I followed his work very closely um, during the months before the close of this past year. So Crow, I just really am thankful your time tonight together with us, and and uh, please be welcome. And uh, 
maybe give a give a voice to the reflection of Martin Luther King's life to start us off tonight. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Molly, and it's uh, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. Um, and um, Martin Luther King Day uh, this year uh, for me, and I think for many many people around the world, has a really special resonance. Um, uh, members of the American Civil Rights Movement have actually joined forces with the Occupy Movement. Uh, today in cities around the world, there are uh, actions taking, uh, coordinated actions with the Civil Rights Movement and the Occupy Movement. Last night, uh, there was a global candlelight uh, vigil at 7 p.m. and around the world, including um, in New York City at Riverside Church. Uh, one of the places where, where Martin Luther King did uh, one of his epic speeches, and uh, people gathered there. Um, and so it's really wonderful to see this uh, convergence, and I feel that, uh, that uh, Dr. King's legacy um, can offer so much guidance and so much inspiration um, for the movements of today. Uh, in particular, uh, he had this vision um, of a beloved community. And, uh, and he uh, really, and, and the civil rights movement really attempted to, to actually in, in, in model that beloved community within their own movement. Uh, today uh, in the Occupy movement, we, we call that a prefigurative politics. Uh, and more than politics, it's, it's really uh, living the dream. So that's why the, the, calling this, this call um, Occupy the Dream uh, makes so much sense because uh, we have an opportunity to not just you know struggle for a world that works for everyone, for a world that works for all life, uh, for a world that's founded on compassion and and justice, uh, for a world ultimately that's rooted in love. We actually have the opportunity to live that right now. No, there's no need to wait around. Um, for that to happen, we can live that in our movement, um, and this is, you know, this is. I really feel this is something that Occupy is 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 trying to do. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I and and I, I I see that in in the uh, in the in the uh, in the occupied communities that I've been to around the world, where uh, people come together and uh, and are practicing participatory democracy. Uh, are uh, in the General Assembly. There's this. Uh, this, this uh, um, kind of like a laboratory for direct democracy, uh, consensus-based, um, what in Argentina they call a horizontalism, horizontalidad. Uh, so this is moving beyond that uh, top-down hierarchical model uh, to this model of, of shared power. Uh, and, uh, and I believe this is really, you know, uh, King's dream of, uh, of a world of uh, mutuality, of, of you know going beyond brotherhood to uh, you know this profound interrelatedness, um, I really feel that if, if Dr. King were alive today, he would have he would have been all over this moment in history and really celebrating it. And uh, and interestingly, you know we're also moving beyond the era of the charismatic leader. So you know he would he would also have to surrender some of that. Um, and that's and that's also a, an interesting shift. That's kind of an evolution of this movement because this is now a leaderless movement. Um, and the great power of that is that um, you know we 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 can't uh, we we 
we can't lose a leader in the way that we did lose Dr. King. Um, and so there's actually a strength, the strength in that, in, in being that, that leaderless movement. So today, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, oh, no, I just, that's very powerful, Crow, that you're pointing to that evolution in shared leadership, which, you know, is a part of one of the quotes that you have up on the OccupyLove.org site. Um, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. And it seems to me that we're, we're recognizing that in each other uh, like never before, that we each have a unique part in, in the whole, kind of like a school of fish that can turn on a dime. And, um, and I, you know, I, I want to let you keep going, but I also would love to hear when you're ready, um, and I'm guessing that everyone gathered would love to hear any, any kind of signature aspects that you witnessed on the ground in your, your travels this past fall. Of course, you were on the ground uh, quite a lot in New York City, but you also went to other places. And uh, I know that there's the people's mic and other things, but I would love to, to weave into that at some point here with you. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's tie it in, because that's, this is occupying the dream. Well, I was, I was at uh, Occupy Wall Street since the first day um, and, uh, and went down there not knowing what to expect, but I, you know, I, I, you know, the fact that it was from the outset uh, considered considered to be a leaderless movement that was very intriguing. Um, and uh, you know, the but you know, going further back, we actually we actually need to recognize what Occupy came out of. Um, and it really, the uh, I think the impetus and the possibility of this the phenomenal flowering really came out of the Arab Spring. You know, I mean, we can go even further back, but. You know, in this last extraordinary year of change that's happening around the world, uh, the Arab Spring uh, showed that possibility of bottom-up change happening. People rising from, from the ground up, not a top-down, but a ground-up movement that percolated up and was able to, to overthrow that uh, dictator, uh, dictatorships, first in Tunisia, then in Egypt, and then spreading through Libya. Um, and, uh, and that... That was, gave tremendous hope and inspiration, and that in turn percolated up and, and made its way to, to Europe, and we saw the blossoming of the, the European summer and the indignados. And I actually uh, went, went both this fall, I went uh, both to Tahir Square, where the second wave of uh, the Egyptian revolution is, is taking place, and, uh, and also to Spain to meet with, the, with the, the M15 movement, as it's really known, which began on the, on the 15th of May. And, uh, and it was actually beautiful when, when uh, uh, my partner Nova and I arrived at the square in, in uh, um, Plaza del Sol in Madrid, which is where the, really, the, the first um, big flowering forth of that movement happened. And to see uh, the same hand gestures that were, taking, that were being used um, in the Occupy movement, seeing them, them there, and which is actually where we got them from. Um, and some of those include uh, the uh, gesture of uh, what's called twinkling, which is when hands sort of move, that you move your hands in a kind of twinkling gesture. To see that, as a, that's a, a, a way of uh, showing uh, common um, agreement. Uh, to see, uh, you know, to see the, the general assemblies still going strong there. You know, this is six, seven months later, um, and, uh, and actually they've moved into the neighborhoods there as well. Um, so 
what we're seeing there is a maturation of the movement, and I can see some indications of where Occupy is going. Um, just looking at you know how it's evolved already in Europe, um, you know the the I think one of the key things that I take away is that this is a movement where everyone is important, where every voice uh, needs to be heard, and in fact this is a movement that takes special care to prioritize those voices that often aren't heard. So um, you know in the general assemblies, when it's time for people to, to come forth and speak, there's what's uh, known as a progressive and, and it, it particularly prioritizes um, marginalized voices so that they can actually um, kind of jump to the front of the queue in a situation where um, the, there's, there's less representation of those voices. So here we have a, a movement that is very conscious, uh, a movement that uh, is really uh, comfortable with the word compassion, very comfortable with the word love. I started seeing it everywhere. You know, I've been shooting this film um, for a couple of years. Uh, previously, it was called Evolve Love, and now it's called Occupy Love. And I used to really, you know, have to prompt people to, you know, to, to get to the, the love story. And my question in the film was, how could the crisis that we're facing, economic and ecological, how could that uh, uh, become a love story? And, uh, and now I don't even get a chance to ask my question, and people are already answering it. Um, I ran into Naomi Klein at an action recently, the Tar Sands action in the White House, and I had asked her that question two years ago at the People's Summit on Climate Change in Bolivia, and she really had a hard time answering it. You know, she basically told me all the things that were wrong in the world and then said the opposite of that would be a love story. Well, uh, you know, this fall, as she's been so enthusiastic about the Occupy movement, she actually saw her, she gave me a big hug, and she said, history has rearranged itself to prove your thesis. It was extraordinary to hear. Um, oh, I love like, that. <laughs> yeah, she laughed. Hey, will I, you uh, say that one more time, Crow? Say that one more time. Well, that, just what Naomi said. She said, history has, yeah. has uh, rearranged itself to prove your thesis. That the crisis, essentially that the crisis that we're facing is a love story. And, you know, the answer is, is the movements that are springing up. It's like we're recognizing now um, that the economic system is deeply corrupt, is deeply flawed. The top-down model that we've been sold as, you know, good, somehow good for us, the consumerist uh, worldview, um, the, uh, uh, the ecological crisis, which is largely, uh, you know, being created by, by greed. And we're just destroying the earth to, to feed, the, to, not to feed, but to actually, to, 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 uh, uh, for the greed of a very small uh, percent, which is being called the one percent, and um, and so we're waking up to that. We're waking up to that, and what it's doing, this crisis is actually propelling us to return to that which we have uh, become separated from, uh, which is this sense of interdependence, which is the sense of interconnection, which is uh, the sense of uh, ultimately love uh, in its true sense of the word, not in the hallmark sense of the word. Let's, yeah, let's make this very clear. Dr. King uh, says that a love um, without power is anemic. A power without love is abusive. Uh, it's really important to understand that love is in no way sentimental. True love. True love is absolutely fierce. Uh, Dr. Cornell West says that uh, justice is love made public. 
So what we're seeing is this public love taking place in the squares all around the world and now in the neighborhoods and, in, and online and everywhere because Occupy is actually in our hearts and in our minds. It's not in a localized place and it doesn't have leaders. So it's really powerful in that sense that it can't be undermined. It can't be co-opted in the same way that uh, other movements have been in the past. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really inspiring to see this emerging and it's a, it's a natural arising uh, I was on a retreat with Bernie Glassman at Upaya this summer, and uh, you know he was predicting this. He said, no, "Coming next, the American fall. We've had the you know the Arab Spring and the European summer. Now here comes the American fall, and now it's like Occupy together. It's global." But Bernie said, "You know, Occupy has not an uprising, but an arising. So there's something about this that is incredibly organic, which is uh, it's just self-organizing." And, uh, and it's not something that we can control or necessarily predict what's going to happen next. So you can let go of those old notions. This is not an old-style campaign where we have one demand and we have a plan and everyone gets their signs made by some sign shop and we all march down. No, this is a, this is a place where individuals are scrawling their signs on pieces of cardboard and they're very personally invested in this struggle and it's, and it's coming from this lateral, horizontal coming together, not this sort of top-down, even in our politics or even in our activism, we can fall into that top-down model. So something very new is taking place. And it's been hard for the media to get their head around that. It doesn't fit into boxes. And you know, Crow, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were briefly in touch um, talking about Dr. A.T. Aryaratni. And I know that they, you interviewed him a few years back, right? For Absolutely. yeah, Fierce and light. and for Fierce Light, when Spirit Meets Action, which is an extraordinary film. Uh, for those of you who have not seen it, and and so too is Scared Sacred. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Aryaratni joined uh, Sharif Abdullah and I a few weeks ago um, in a conversation surrounding the Occupy movement and lessons from Sri Lanka, and given that you've done the kind of traveling that you've done, and the in-depth connection that you've, you have had with the peoples of various countries um, in their own efforts and in their own actions, what kinds of, of solution models, um, I, know, I know we heard some from Dr. Aryaratni and, and of course from Sri, La Sri Lanka, but um, are we pulling on already existing models in the world as we move forward? And, and which ones feel most relevant to you? Well, I think that's a really good point. And it's, you know, the, there's, two, there's two, two central aspects, or maybe say three central aspects to this movement. One is the, the, um, the no, which is actually a yes, but it's a no. It's a no to corporate injustice. It's a no to economic injustice, and it's a no to, um, to a top-down model. That's, and, and it's a no to environmental destruction, and we need to do holding actions. We need to stop things in their tracks before they get any worse. The climate is in deep crisis, so there's the no. That's important. But also, equally important, and we need them both, is the yes. And the yes is the explicit yes. What does this prefigurative politics look like? What does a prefigurative world look like? What are those models? Well, you know, there's, there's 
there's been many that have been developed. Uh, some of the ones that we're including in the film include the um, uh, Transition Town movement. Uh, we interviewed Rob Hopkins, um, who was the founder of that. And the Transition Town movement um, is really useful because it's, it's applicable to any, any uh, town, any city, so it doesn't require leaving your, you know, going off to an eco-village or a utopia somewhere else, which is also important as a possibility, as an option. But actually, it's a, it's a set of principles uh, around energy descent because we're going to need a lot of a lot of change has to happen in our relationship to energy and consumption. So, ramping that down and uh, and creating sustainable communities, localized economies, um, and they have very very clear uh, guidelines for how to do that. But they're a template or a paradigm that can be adapted to your specific locale because each community has different needs. So the transition town movement is extremely extremely useful. Um, there's there's other models coming out, coming into play as well. I think you know you can kind of look at elements of change, right? Because the thing about the, the world we live in is that we have a deep cultural pathology, and it's so multi-layered. So the things, uh, things that are emerging, I'm seeing in Occupy also is a, a, a employment of nonviolent communication. Uh, we see, uh, I see in many occupies the, the NVC communities there offering uh, conflict resolution skills, offering uh, uh, that beautiful model of, of nonviolent communication, which is a, uh, which is also rooted in empathy. So having, you know, learning to truly be empathic for other people uh, on on that level, and nonviolent communication, which is a, a tried and true and tested model, is also really being applied. Um, I see it occupies. I see permaculture um, getting in there because we need to address our food systems. Uh, permaculture is a design system which can also be applied um, in many different ways, but it, it, uh, it involves recognizing that we are within a system. And that's actually a, uh, one of the uh, core uh, things we need to move towards is seeing things in terms of systems, whole systems, as opposed to fractured, separated, isolated. This is my you know, particular issue, or this is my, you know, you know, particular, um, you know, silo, and recognizing how we need to, you know, how everything we do affects everything else. So, if we're going to grow food, or if we're going to, um, you know, be sustainable, how do we do that in a way that, in actual fact, enhances the earth that we're, we're upon, um, as opposed to depletes it? And we can actually live in a way that we have um, enhancing relationships uh, with each other and enhancing relationships with the planet itself, uh, mutually enhancing relationships. That's a very different model than the competitive dog-eat-dog-eat-dog-eat-dog uh, model of capitalism, of the corporatocracy. Uh, so that's, that's a big shift. We need alternative models of, of uh, economics. Um, we're seeing that Charles Eisenstein, who uh, has written a beautiful book, Sacred Economics, is featured in the film, and The Revolution is Love, uh, which is our video that went viral, was actually, um, although I shot the interview, it was actually, uh, the piece was edited and directed by Ian McKenzie, who's the co-producer on the film. And Ian actually began the project uh, two years ago as my intern, and then as time went on, and he's of the, the millennial generation, as time went on, he became the associate producer, now he's the co-producer, and, you know, it's wonderful because he's kind of moved from me being the mentor to him being the mentor to us kind of mentoring each other. Which is uh, which is just wonderful. 
So uh, the revolution is love. If you haven't seen it yet, you can see it on our uh, on the Indiegogo campaign website. It's, it's the featured video there, um, or just search it on YouTube. It's it's about sacred economics and moving towards the gift economy, looking for other ways. It's you know it's the it's the ec economics of the lover, which is um, the more you have, the more I have. The more you shine, the more I shine. So it's not this this economics of scarcity. It's not this economics of, uh, you know, I want it all and, and, and you can have just what you need, the littlest, you know, I can take. And we see this, this economics of greed destroying communities, destroying environments, uh, collapsing uh, 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 employment uh, to, you know, to, so that we're, we're in a, an employment crisis around the world right now um, because we have this, this economics of greed. And, uh, and it's not sustainable. It's, it's collapsing in on itself, which is a good thing. And Crow, I just want to say um, my gratitude and honoring, too, of, of Ian McKenzie and all of his work with you. Um, his work is phenomenal, and it's just really wonderful to see also um, the teamwork that the two of you have done over the past couple of years. And yeah. now, um, there's, now, there's three of, now there's three of us in the core team. Greg Hill as well is the co-producer. So we have oh, great. A, we have a we actually have a circle of three that's co-producing the film, which is nice because we can kind of you know have a, a you know um, a, a sort of collective process there, uh, not a binary uh, process. Which <laughs> is actually great. I think you need at least three to have a have a collective process. Uh huh. <laughs> and, well, and, you know, and in just a few moments, we'll talk, we're going to be talking more. About the ongoing project and where it's where it's leading, and what we can hopefully get to see from you soon. Um, right now, though, I would like to just pause and say, uh, warmly encourage you to press one on your keypad if you'd like to reflect, comment, um, or ask a question. I know that I got something in uh, just a moment ago via my email from one of our participants speaking to um, the neighborhood by neighborhood CCD organizing. Um, and this particular fellow was referring to Portland City Repair Initiative uh -huh, and commenting yeah. that he, he feels that it has the greatest chance of, of advances uh, becoming permanent. And then he asked the question, um, how can we ramp up this localized organization? So I, I really appreciate that question. And I'll just yeah. say that came from, from Doug. Thank you, Doug. And Crow, can yeah. you speak to that just for a moment? I totally can. City Repair is awesome. Um, City Repair is in the film, um, and we uh, we actually went to the last uh, village building convergence, which happened uh, uh, last year in the spring, I think it is, um, before Occupy actually took off. It was already in the film, and uh, City Repair is phenomenal because it's they they uh, they invite communities to kind of look for how can they regenerate what they call place make place making. You know, how can we take you know take a, a, a intersection and turn it into a gathering place. You know, how can we put in, uh, uh, they have like lending libraries and um, places to, to gather and, um, you know, places to do exchanges, free stores. Uh, you know, it's, the city repair model is great. And, it's, and again, it's a laboratory. It's been taking place in Portland for a long time. And it's got real strong roots and it's really embraced by the community. How we ramp this up, this is the. I think we have a moment. We have. We are at a special time in history where everyone is asking that exact question: How do we ramp it up? How do we scale it up? How do we bring it in everywhere? 
And the way we do that is through your energy and through my energy, through our collective energy, saying, you know, how can we make this world a better place? And, and let's just do it right now in our neighborhoods. You don't need to wait around for anyone's permission. This is not the, the old top-down model was wait around for somebody up there to say, okay, go ahead. No, forget it. We can just do it right now. Um, and, and we are doing it. And, and I think you're going to see more and more with the Occupy movement um, that it's going to start looking into these more community-based uh, initiatives, you know, and, and that, uh, that includes, you know, community gardens. Let's start occupying vacant lots everywhere. Um, you know, that's, a, that's an, I think, a wonderful step for the Occupy movement to, to take place. Uh, let's start really, you know, we're starting to have the global general assemblies now and, uh, you know, via teleconferencing and, and, you know, sharing what works. So, in, you know, if some, you've discovered something that really works in your community, share it. Uh, let's, let's get, you know, we're building our online connection so we can start sharing information and resources. We have an interconnectivity that we really never had in our past movement. You know, the last big movement that I was part of, of before that was like this global was the anti-globalization movement. Um, and it was, you know, it was just at the beginning of citizen journalism, the indie media movement, which I, you know, which I was part of. And now we're in this, 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 uh, this moment in which this a two-way, three-way, multi-way conversation that's taking place through social media uh, where we can really, uh, you know, communicate and, uh, and create structures. You know, we're, what the Occupy camps are are temporary autonomous zones. And they allow us to step outside of the trance of corporate culture and really wake up and come together and solution build. That's what's happening in these places. It's like the, the ancient Greek agora where people came together and discussed and, and, and had democracy, you know, in these public places. But we're doing that again all over the world. And, uh, and so we are ramping it up. The scale at which we can do things now is much bigger. And now we need to create permanent autonomous zones, more and more of those where we're you know, we're creating these spaces um, that are long-lasting and sustainable into the future uh, that, that uh, don't kowtow to the commercial corporate uh, uh, control. Mm. Uh, so, Carl, I, I'd like to take us in, in just a little direction here for a moment, um, specific into one of the what might be called Achilles heels of the at least the Western system. Um, and of course Dr. King's work uh, in civil rights actually directly applies to what's happening right now in our um, in our prison system. And given that that's I think you know one of my uh, my places of interest and of passion and uh, of restoring and healing that system, um, a, one of one of the the people that is one of my heroes in speaking towards uh, the 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 transforming of the, of the criminal justice system is Michelle Michelle Alexander, and she is a, a law professor and um, has written a book called The New Jim Crow. You're probably aware of it, and maybe you've even interviewed her. <laughs> but um, I just wonder. Um, as it applies to the power of the Occupy movement, when we're looking at some of, of the darkest corners of, our, of, in particular in this case, the criminal justice system and the fact that it's actually becoming uh, the new Jim Crow in, in many, uh, many well-educated opinions 
And, and not only that, we house 28% uh, I think about in that area of the world's population that we incarcerate even though we're under 5%. Um, how do we keep our hearts open and our actions uh, happening even in the midst of, of, of such darkness as this? Well, the, what know, would the, Dr. Uh, King say and what, what are your thoughts on that? The, well, it's the incarceration industry. It's the, the, these, these, these prisons have become privatized and it's a massive profit-making business to keep people in jail and a lot of them are, are young people. And, uh, and this, is, this is something that is totally something that the Occupy movement should be looking at because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real abuse of the, you know, that's being um, perpetrated on us. The, the, uh, the numbers in prison are disproportionately uh, marginalized communities. And uh, you know, in Canada, where I'm from, the Harper government wants to spend another $9, $10 billion on prison. Now, we're going to be facing an economic crash again, I, would, I think people are imagining. And one of the things we need to say is, you know, are, you know, are we going to be in Canada? You know, are we going to be? What are? Where is the money going to come from? You know, that's if we're experiencing this crash. Where is our? You know, if we're going to be, you know, because capitalism always asks for austerity measures, right? Well, where do they take that austerity from? Let's take it from the prison system. Let's take it from the military. So that's that's one thought on that. The thought is the yes, and the yes for me is restorative justice. This is a, you know, this is. This is the work that they merged out of the nonviolent communication work of, of Marshall Rosenberg and then was evolved and deepened by Dominic Barter in, in uh, Brazil. Um, you know, he, he came out of the favelas uh, you know, where, where there was incredible violence and, and they started developing this, these circles of a restorative justice circle. And, uh, and it's a way of actually uh, creating uh, mechanisms for communities to heal themselves. And so the more we can take that on, and restorative justice is also really um, moving into um, indigenous communities as well, uh, where, there, where it's much more an indigenous model of justice. Um, so how do we actually have justice, which is, which is love made public, how do we have that enacted um, in communities that do actually, that are experiencing, uh, you know, problems with crime and, crim and, and uh, you know, this sort of downward spiral of p that poverty also often kind of... Uh, brings up. So how do we do that it, it, ourselves without uh, relying on these top-down uh, profit-making models of the, of the prison system? I think restorative justice is a, is a really key thing to, to, in, to, to learn about and integrate into our movement and into, the, into, our, into, our, you know, into our communities, into the world. Um, and there's, uh, you know, that, that offers tremendous hope um, for healing uh, as opposed to what happens in the prison system is people just go in and the opposite happens. Not only do they not heal, they actually learn, a, they just become much more uh, entrenched in the whole uh, 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 mindset and, uh, and end up, it, just, it ends up just uh, becoming a, a revolving door. Right, and, you, and, and you're, you know, you're so right in, in the fact that it is a profit-making Venture and the Correctional Corporations of America, CXW, on the New York Stock Exchange is an example of that. Um, and, and so really we're looking at a shift in consciousness that then ties back to all the incredible points that you've made this evening um, around the fact that we are moving from um, 
feeling a sense of isolation of you know that that we're individually motivated um, that you know we're apart from each other into this sense that um, that we are interconnected and unified and that uh, that empowers us completely like you were saying earlier um, because there is no leader in this movement there is really no way to destabilize it and and somehow that also kind of reminded me of some of the preemptory actions that um, that group Anonymous was doing leading kind of into the Occupy movement. How, how involved are they and, and what's your, your take on Anonymous? Are, are they still active? I, I haven't really seen it much happening with them. Well, I, I mean, they are. They put out videos. They actually put out a video on love, which I was like, wow, the scary guys in masks are talking about love. <laughs> right. I think right. they, need to up, they need to upgrade their motto, um, in my mind. They, they got it from V for Vendetta, we never forgive, we never forget. Right. Don't forget. Don't forget. But, you know, um, forgiveness, forgiveness is, is actually, you know, if you don't forgive, you're actually giving away your power. You know, you're, right. you know and as uh, Robbie Damlin of the uh, Brief Families uh, uh, Forum uh, told me, um, which is a group of uh, Palestinian and Israeli parents whose children have been killed in the conflict, who have come together to heal. And uh, what she told me is that uh, forgiveness does not erase the past. It gives you back the future. So forgiveness, I think, is really important. Um, but so anyways, Anonymous, I'm not, I'm not completely keyed in with their, their style exactly, but I was happy to see the, the, love, the love aspect come out. You know, no, no one group, you know, people want to pin Occupy onto Adbusters or Anonymous or this group or that group. No one group represents the movement. It's a, it's right. a very, very multifaceted movement, and, uh, and it's got incredible biodiversity. It's like a rainforest, and a rainforest's mm. great strength is in its biodiversity. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we're learning from each other, and we're actually learning to learn from each other. You know, I think we, we used to come to, uh, to our politics or activism with this idea that we know what it is, we know what we believe, and we're going to go there and make everyone else believe the same thing as us. But actually, you know, I'm, I'm actually becoming increasingly comfortable with this, this notion that things are evolving, evolving. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't want to come in with a really closed mind. I want to come in with an open heart and, uh, and really be able to just, uh, be part of this evolution. I want to be on that, you know, that breaking wave of the creative life force, which is endlessly curious. And uh, curiosity, actually, uh, is, al is also related to love, because curiosity keeps our hearts open, um, as opposed to dogma. A dogma ideology is, kills love. Um, and, you know, we, we can have dogma and, ide and ideology in absolutely every dimension of life. So, you know, releasing us from dogma and, and really, uh, and really um, coming to, to this movement with an open heart is, is extremely powerful. Mm, that's so beautifully put, and I really deeply concur with you that the, uh, I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, that was very eloquent, Crow, and... Um, Poetic, and I'm not even going to attempt to repeat it. But um, you know, the, the, this aspect of us coming out of, of uh, the structural I isolation, um, quite literally in our in our Western culture, into um, you know this unified action and and a, a sense of, of surrender 
and a shifting of our consciousness um, because really, uh, I don't know, I think it was about a month ago, um, uh, my colleague Kim Wright and I were in conversation on a telecouncil for lawyers uh, with Rian Eisler. Oh. And one of the th yeah, one of the things Rian said was, you know, the the, the true shift, and, and I think we know this here tonight, the, the, the true shift that, that must happen before anything else is inwardly um, and, and on a consciousness level collectively. And of course, those are very interconnected and intersected. And so there's so much beauty in, in this um, emerging just ebullience of, of understanding of that concept. You know, we're not paying lip service to the inner and outer aspects of, of this any longer but rather we appear to be really grasping and comprehending that and surrendering our egos in such a way that is just like, you know, it's like that, that most gracious out-breath of, of experiencing this life to the hilt and together, together in that way towards a yeah. world that, is, that is, is not just sustainable, but joyous and and um, that that activates that light um, within each of us, and we're doing that with the consciousness that we know that that's a capacity within each of us, instead of this, uh, you know, the past uh, us and them mentality and the, the victim perpetrator, the the dualistic worldview. It's really exciting to be alive right now, and. Um, and I just uh, this this conversation has been just so robust and rich for me. Thank you. I I, I want to take a pause right now again for those who are with us tonight um, and would like to ask a question to Crow or make a reflection uh, of this journey together tonight. We're uh, three quarters of the way through our time together, so press one on your keypad if you'd like to join in the conversation. And um, you can do that any time between now and uh, the top of the hour. But uh, Crow, I I'd like, you, I'd like to, to just have you speak a little bit more deeply to um, where, the, where this Occupy Love um, project is going. Because um, it, it signifies much more than the film work, right? And, and there, there's a lot more going on um, for you in, in the next even just a few months, I'm, I'm guessing. But, but let's hear from you a little bit more about what's up, what's upcoming in the immediate sure. future here. Yeah, well, Occupy Love is the, is the name of the feature documentary that we're making, um, which chronicles the heart of Occupy and beyond. Um, it's actually a, a, you know, it's a, it's a very global film, and it's a very deep uh, thinking, uh, feeling as well, film. Um, and it's also, Occupy Love is also uh, a meme. So a meme is like a concept or an idea or, you know, an understanding. And Occupy Love is, you know, I walked into Occupy London's uh, Bank of Ideas, uh, which is uh, a bank-owned building that Occupy London in England has taken over and turned into like a, a living university. And there are also people are actually uh, staying there and they, they have general assemblies there. One of the three Occupy camps there right now. And all over the walls there, I saw, you know, these symbols that said Occupy Love. And I, you know, and and I and I walked into Occupy. I showed up at Occupy Oakland at the camp, and all of a sudden I see all these people with signs that say Occupy Love. And so it was really exciting for me that uh, you know I I came up with Occupy Love as my personal uh, you know meme for the movement 
about three or four days after I, I arrived at Occupy, I remember posting on Facebook, I think I'm going to start a website called Occupy Love. What do you guys think? And everyone was like, yes, do it. And, and, you know, I didn't start it. It was a naturally arising meme or an understanding. And it's very deep because, you know, what does it mean to truly Occupy Love? Um, so, you know, as, as a film and a website, uh, we're, we want to be a hub for that, uh, that, that part of the movement. Um, and and it's, 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 a, it's, a, you know, it's an open source movement and it's an open source meme. It's not our meme, but we do want to support it and foster it. Um, I see our role as uh, reflecting and catalyzing the heart of the movement. Um, with our, you know, we're putting out YouTube videos all the time, which, which are, you know, are on this theme. We're uh, going to be developing, uh, we're doing a big project right now uh, coming up uh, that's about to be released called Occupy Valentine's. Uh, which is around taking, you know, decorporatizing love, taking over Valentine's Day, taking it back from Hallmark and occupying it. And uh, part of that is going to be a project where, with Studio Occupy, um, we're going to people are going to be able to upload their own clips on their own Occupy love stories and their own their own videos and sound uh, pieces around that. And we're going to be um, sort of uh, conglomerating those. So that's a project. And uh, you know, the film will be a, a real platform for for activists and for the mainstream as well. We want to get it into mainstream theaters and get it out as early as possible. And we're, you know, the fundraising side of it is really interesting because this is, at this point, is a 100% uh, community-funded film. So it's, it's through crowdfunding. Uh, right now we're, we're in the, the last third of an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign in which people contribute small amounts or large amounts um, and become what I call community film producers. So the collective, the community, is actually making this film possible. And that's also a, a, a real reflection or an expression of the way uh, this horizontal organizing is also how the, the film itself is being funded. Where can people go um, very directly to find out more about that indie uh, go go camp, uh, community campaign to become a, a community producer? Um, is that on OccupyLove.org, or is yeah, there somewhere yeah, else go, they need to go? I would yeah, just go straight to OccupyLove.org, and the information on the campaign is right there, and it's another click to, uh, to the Indiegogo campaign. And, you know, if you can't um, afford even 10 bucks, you know, like, you know, even 10 bucks makes a big difference. Um, there's also different rewards you get depending on the amount you contribute, but if, if you can't even afford that, that's cool. But, like, you can help a lot just by liking the campaign, by sharing the campaign. Um, you know, it's really, really just spreading awareness uh, sharing on social media can help a lot. Um, can you can you tell us where you are on social media? Like, give us give us your Twitter handle for the project yeah, and yeah yeah at and, I'm and, at Vicro. Um, and really, to get to our Facebook site, just go to OccupyLove.org. All the all the links are right there. That's the simplest way. Just go to OccupyLove.org. My Twitter handle is there at Vicro, but it's also you can find it in about the film. You can follow me. You can follow Ian. You can uh, subscribe to my Facebook updates. My personal find me Velcro Ripper on Facebook. I, I my Facebook my personal Facebook is public, um, and it's uh, so you can subscribe to me. And I and I and I'm always doing updates from the ground. I was updating and sending photos from Tahir Square, from Spain, from Occupy London. So it's you know if you want to if you want to share my window on the movement, please please join me on Facebook too. Uh, Crow, um, in my conversation uh, last week with Sarah Van Gelder of Yes Magazine, she mentioned that there's going to be a 
uh, a gathering, a national gathering in Olympia. Are you are you going to that? Are you going to be there for that? Or do you know much about what's happening uh, in that realm? When is it? No, last I heard was there was one happening in Philadelphia. But you know things are always you know unfolding with Occupy. Right. And I don't want to leave you know New York for like five minutes because I you know I find something amazing is happening that I missed. But anyways, what's happening in Olympia and when? Uh, well, I wish I could answer that succinctly. Oh, okay. I'm not sure of the dates exactly, but Sarah said it's in February. Be. Oh, in February. Okay, so that's early, yeah. Cause it's yeah, still yeah and so that's in the state of Washington, Olympia, and it's apparently a national Occupy gathering, um, right. and she'll be, she'll be present for that. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I think this, this is going to be really great as we start coming together, you know, um, from the different uh, Occupies. And, and one of the other projects that I'm aware of um, that I have a lot of respect for and for, the, for what, what it's offering on a, on a very weekly, even daily basis is Occupy Cafe, um, which oh, yeah. you, you, pointed, you pointed towards, of course, as one of the, the international teleconference um, capacities. And one of the, the, the elements that I love so much about a room like this um, and our social media even though we may not be together in person, which of course is ideal, we still have that, that capacity that answers the need of seeing each other, which strengthens the ability for us to know that you know, we are together in, in this movement and in these truths, and um, um, you know, continues to eradicate and soften uh, and dissolve even that sense of isolation, no matter where we are in the world. And one of the things that Sarah Van Gelder spoke to also um, in our conversation last week was eradicating and dissolving the sense of shame, especially around the big, uh, you know, the, the big banks and, and uh, you know, this, this outrageous debt that we're in. And so yeah. um, these, these principles are really, you know, it's just it feels so um, freeing, like true freedom for, for all of us to to come into this field together and know, you know, that like maybe 10 years ago we thought like, oh, it's all me, it's, you know, it's on my shoulders and I don't know what to do about it and it feels like that that's just not the case anymore whatsoever. Yeah, um, we're, we're all we're all in this together. And I, I love that. I love that one one meme is occupy together. And uh, you know, the uh, and one one thing I want to make sure that you know, as we're running out of time also you know, like in any love affair, like in any relationship, there's going to be bumps, and there have been bumps, and there's going to be mistakes, and we're going to, you know, well, we're going to, the trick, the key is to learn from those mistakes and continue to grow, and uh, and don't don't and and don't expect perfection, because love loves through it all. Hmm. Now, Carl, I know we have another eight minutes, eight minutes or so tonight, and. Um, we have a really large group gathered here, and I, 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 I'm not sure if it's because of our momentum um, or people feeling shy. But again, I'd love to invite anyone who'd like to make an observation, comment, or a question for, for Crow uh, to press 1 on your keypad um, now or any time in between now and the time we close tonight. Um, I, so know, Crow, I, you, know, I, I heard my friend Judy Rebick was maybe in the call. So Judy, if you're there, I'd love to hear your thoughts because uh, we always have fun um, sharing our thoughts together on these kinds of movements. We've been sort of observing them, you know, throughout as they've unfolded over the, the last years. And, uh, and so I'd uh, love to hear you if you're out there, Judy. 
Great. I, and Judy, if you are out there, um, given that there's such a long list, could you press one on your keypad? And anyone else, again, that might like to make a comment. So Carl, um, you, you took us just for a moment in a, in a direction there of um, you know, the imperfection, too, of love. Yeah. And um, you know the importance of of moving through, uh, you know that love love overcomes all of of the aspects, uh, even in the bumps and the rocks. And I I don't want to downturn from from this the the energy that we've created here tonight. But I also would love to hear your thoughts about, you know, the opposite side, um, the criticisms of the Occupy movement. And um, you know, we certainly know that Martin Luther King, uh, in his day, you know, was up against extraordinary resistance. And could it be that some of the most powerful moments in our history have been met, of course, with the most extraordinary resistance? Yeah. Well, we have experienced profound resistance from the Occupy movement. Disproportionate uh, police. Uh, Brutality. When you really consider the the nonviolent, benign heart of this movement, uh, so you know we're doing something right. We're pointing in the right direction. If the uh, the the powers that be, who I like to call the powers that were, are um, are so threatened that they have to you know they have to come down so heavy. Internally, you know, there's there's all there has been you know different occupies have run into different bumps. The biggest bumps I think we run into are, are just our own egos, you know, and that's where, where love is actually about transcending the ego. And, and so, you know, one of the, one of the great uh, aspects of the human mic, which it re involves, you know, which was originally done because there was no amplification. So, you know, the fact that the audience or the people have to repeat back what the speaker is saying tends to, to keep those people who want to grandstand or dominate if you're grandstanding or dominating, you might not find that your voice ends up becoming, main, you know, continued if you're going on and on and on. The human mic just kind of peters out. So there's a kind of self-editing that that process does. But, you know, really, you know, I think that that's often has been the downfall of, of many a movement is, is individuals, e, you know, egos or, or co-optation. And, uh, and I think the nature of the movement is kind of helps us to immunize around that. Um, and there's also, you know, there's also challenges around the actual openness of the movement. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with, you know, dealing with things like homelessness or mental health issues within the, these camps, which are open, have an open door policy. So that can be really challenging, and we need to strategize around how can we actually, you know, take that on, or do we have the ability to take that on? So that that has been challenging. But these are all, you know, um, things that are, you know, I think it's important that we we hang in there. And that we actually do problem solve this because what we're doing is, you know, as Dr. to come back to Dr. King and the idea of the beloved community, we are trying to enact that world that we wish to see in, in in a microcosm here. And so the world that's out there has all these problems, and when they come into the camps or come into the process, um, you know, rather than just shutting them down or running from them, the more that we can actually heal, uh, the more we can do that in the larger society. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Velcro, for everything this evening. And I would like to go ahead and field a live question tonight. Um, Doug, you're live, and so very welcome to you. Yeah, greetings. I got a question in earlier, but I just wanted to um, um, suggest or, or, or 
you feel out the whole idea of mirth and celebration being such an important part of uh, Occupy Love and, uh, you know, coming up with some ideas for, uh, you know, major celebration points so that globally, you know, people can envision the kind of change or, you know, the, 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 next, the next thing that we need to change en masse and celebrate it, uh, um, you know, so that we can pull the numbers, pull the numbers together in that kind of uh, uh, mirth first way. <laughs> That's uh, that's beautiful, Doug, and uh, thanks for chiming in. And great to great to hear from you. Um, yeah, I I totally agree. Like, you know, it's like instead of like really that that sort of the idea that if our activism is so much uh, so beautiful and so much fun that people who aren't part of it want to go, hey, gee, I really want to you know be part of this. You know, that's going to be really inviting to people as opposed to this sort of. You know, the old vanguardist, the elitist movement tended to be a little closed and a little like, are you cool enough to, to join us? This, is, this movement is really, you know, and this is what's so beautiful about this movement, is it's open to all, and it, and it isn't, doesn't care if you're young or old or anything. You're, you're welcome. And so uh, a, a celebration is, a, is, I think, a really important part of it. And I have experienced some tremendous celebration in the movement. I'll never forget October 15th, uh, which is when the movement went worldwide, was actually a celebration um, in, in New York where we took over Times Square, and it was in the spirit of a real celebration. And it was beautiful to have that celebration in the face of that, you know, uh, alter to corporate uh, consumer culture. And, and Doug, I love that. Thank you so much, too. I, um, I, it, it ties, too, into one of the comments slash questions from uh, Peter who was just asking, um, how do we spread this out beyond the choir? And yeah. I think you've hit a nerve that it is the celebratory aspect. Um, you know, we've been so cerebral and uh, guided by you know, different areas of our, of our, our minds and, and otherwise. Um, and so when we go into our hearts and into the joy that is you know, inherent in in our human existence, which we don't always bring forth to its fullness, um, that's what I love about this as well. That it, it does it does open it up, does it not? I mean, really. Yeah, and the opposite of fear is love, and you know, we're fear control keeps us down. Fear keeps us controlled, and uh, in the face of you know some of the greatest crises that humanity has ever faced. Uh, we actually have an opportunity here to go towards love and use that as a wake-up call. You know, the earth is speaking to us and saying, wake up to life, wake up to love. This is the opportunity. Let's seize it. Mm. That, that, to me, is a perfect place. Um, say that one more time, would you, Crow? Sure. Well, Repeat you know, that. This, this, this is a wake-up call. We have, a, we have a planetary wake-up call happening. Just as an individual might have an illness as a wake-up call, the planet and the collapsing economies, the collapsing societies are calling us to life. They're calling us to our, our heart's desire, which is to fall deeply in love with each other and the planet. Oh, my, my goodness. That is, it's hard to say goodnight, uh, but on that, I, I can't see how we could go any further um, even though I know we could. Um, so it really, Velcro, thank you so much for, for being with us tonight. And um, I, w I'd just like to remind everybody 
that you can find uh, this audio archive at uh, mollyrowanpresents.com as well as, of course, Crow, wherever you might be posting it. Um, and, at OccupyLove.org. Uh, yeah, at OccupyLove.org. And uh, just please, if you haven't already familiarized yourself with the body of Velcro's work, and uh, most recently in teaming up too with Ian McKenzie, make sure to check out, he also has other websites, uh, FierceLight.org. And um, Scared Sacred also has its own website, doesn't it, Crow? Um, yeah, 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 as well. And, and then and again, you can, you, can, you can connect with Crow uh, via Twitter at, at VCrow, and then of course on Facebook and other channels. And, and so definitely go to OccupyLove.org. Check out his body of work. Um, I know it's not his because I know he would say that, right? <laughs> but if this is coming through him, um, and it's, it's in tap and tune with the call to love that we are all experiencing right now upon this planet. Thank you so much, everyone, for being with us tonight. And uh, we'll see you soon. And thank you, love Crow. Love to you all. Love to and, you all. and love to Dr. King. Yes. Love to Dr. Martin Luther King. Good night, everyone. Good night.